0: Have made it. Um, we are back for our final podcast in the series talking about the 2020 Finance and Operations Report. And once again, uh, we are graced with the presence of GGA partners, Derek Johnson and RSM's Phil Newman. <laughs> and you know, throughout this series, um, they've joined us and this is the last installment and we are so, so grateful to them for their time and their expertise. Um, today, we are going to dive into the personnel section um and you know Phil I'm going to start with you why don't you tell me what jumped out at you in the personnel section if anything
1: um well first of all thanks Melissa for having on, having us back and uh enduring Derek and myself for the last number of lost track how many of these we've done uh podcasts it's it's been great um and we we appreciate the opportunity in all seriousness to chat with you guys about this stuff um you know personnel you know we talked about dues and membership uh you know in another podcast and obviously the other piece of that equation that lines up is 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 payroll um the things that jump out are some of the things that are in the infographic uh, on the survey i think that that you guys have done a really good job hitting some of these important points and i think i'd also mention again the interlink or the relationship between some of the things in the personnel bucket and some of the things in the membership bucket um you know and, and just again looking at the infographic i would try and put together Things like uh, again, just looking at the first uh, one here, clubs with revenue less than three and a half million dollars, uh, where we are reporting that uh, they on average of 25 full-time equivalent employees. Um, I would re- be trying to relate that to the 428 members. So again, as you as you try and use this report and those kind of data points for your own club, you know, effectively that's telling you that 25 employees are servicing 428 members. You know, what's that ratio? you can build that into your budgeting, you know, is that the kind of, you know, staffing levels, the philosophy that we want at this club? Do we need, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing that we only have 25, you know, maybe maybe we want 40, maybe we've been getting complaints about service levels. Um, you know, that's a metric that if you put it together, can, uh, can really, you know, uh, really help you understand um, some of the, you know, some of the parts of your organization that you maybe don't think about, and when you hear those member complaints about service, etc., um, so that that sort of jumps jumps out to me. Of course, employee turnover, um, the percentage of salaries and wages, taxes and benefits that um, that uh, you know, as a percentage of operating revenue or percentage of operating expense, whichever way you want to you want to look at it, um, are always key. And again, that's great from a budgetary perspective. Uh, again, it's also important to put it into the strategic. Um, uh, perspective of, you know, Hey, it's, you know, and this is the classic we always get into. And I'm sure Derek will, uh, I'll have his own war stories on this. Hey, you know, you look at the benchmark, our numbers only 41%, you know, and the benchmark's 50%, whatever it may be. I'm like, yeah, what does that tell you? Well, we're having problems hiring people. Yeah. You're not paying them enough. That's what the data is telling you. You know, it's not necessarily a good thing. So, um, so certainly understanding, understanding that, but, but I will, um, if I may, Melissa, you've been, you've been giving us great, great scope um, to go sideways here. Um, I, again, as I think, and Derek get worried when I say that, um, I think like we did in the membership side, I'm actually going to focus on two what I'll call non-financial metrics that shocked me. I will go to that extreme and say it shocked me. The first one is that 63% of these clubs said they had no internship program. That blew my mind because a lot of the clubs I deal with have invested so heavily in recent years in internship programs have tied themselves as closely as possible uh, to you know local maybe local but but hospitality schools somewhere and it also shocks me, Melissa, because and I know we 're going to have an awesome virtual world conference this year, but Derek, you walk the halls. At, uh, at at the the traditional in-person world conference, and the students are everywhere, talking to to you know a lot of the club executives that are there. So that statistic really shocked me. And if you're a club that doesn't have an internship program, you know, and the, there's like any program, there there's there's you know a huge realm of how sophisticated or how simple that can be, but. You know, look on look on LinkedIn and look at some of the things some of these clubs are posting that have internship programs. You know, at the end of the day, whatever bucket you're in, in terms of revenue, size of club, your wealth of club, wherever you sit in all those different echelons, you need people. And the thing that's going to set you apart from other clubs of that ilk are going to be your people because your amenities and your service uh, offerings are probably going to be pretty similar. The thing that sets you apart are your people. So you know, uh, you know that you don't have an internship program, that, that I just find that astounding. And particularly when we look at COVID and we look at the restrictions on foreign labor in our clubs, um, you know, it's been great because we've kept Derek out of the United States, so that's been awesome. But, you know, he doesn't serve food and beverage at one of my club clients, right? So. I got a lot of clubs, Derek. I'm sure you do, you do too, that don't know where they're going to get their people from because of their, you know, the be it visa restrictions or just the travel restrictions that that are out there right now. So if you don't have that and you don't have an internship program, you're gonna struggle. So that's the first first one that really hit me, Melissa. The second one, and this certainly might might seem like a bit of a sidestep, but I do a lot of anti-fraud training uh for club clients. And there's lots of data out there about how you prevent fraud. One of, and people get into things like whistleblower policies and whistleblower hotlines and right. But if you look at the statistics that come out of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, one of the most effective anti-fraud programs that any business can have is an employee assistance program. 67% of the clubs in this report said they had no employee assistance program. That can be as simple as saying, you know i i, I something happened with a health care issue with my family, whatever. can the club loan me a thousand dollars, whatever it might be, because the unfortunate thing is something that 's not that big maybe to us, maybe five hundred dollars, maybe a thousand who knows where your number is that can be life and death to some people that work in our clubs, and you know the last thing you need as a club operating officer is to know that if you had had the ability to offer that tiny thing that in the grand scheme of things from the clubs that i know have this and that swear by it and that will tell you they have no doubt that they those programs helped avoid an employee do something that they shouldn't have done um the the stats are are, 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 you know there's no arguing with them so that those were the two that i have to bring it back i'm an auditor by trade sorry but but when i saw that statistic i couldn't help but think of of the importance of those employee assistance programs in, in, in that anti-fraud light to help our people out of trouble if they get stuck into it. So, um, I, I'm going to stop talking, Melissa, and kick it over to my esteemed colleague because, you know, this is what gets me excited.
0: Derek, before we go forward, I just want to ask one follow-up question with Phil. You know, I know, um, and we've certainly seen an explosion of those of um, clubs creating funds to help employees in the wake of COVID um do you expect at this point that you'll probably see an increase in those in the 2021 report um based on what you're hearing from clients
1: you know it's it's yes um it depends i think melissa so that's a great forward-looking question because i think that might be something that we need to craft the question properly because while we see so i sit in florida as you guys know and anytime a hurricane rolls through we see those funds appear uh some clubs keep them in place but we see them you know obviously get very well funded and it's great to see membership step up and do that when their people really need it but you know then they tend to go away you know and and that would be kind of my concern is when COVID ends um you know we disperse those funds you know will we build up a, a similar fund for those individual employee Uh, problems that that can occur from time to time. So maybe we got a, you know, maybe it's a permanent. you know, do you have a permanent employee assistant program might be the way to try and capture that. I would hope so. I would would definitely hope that we would see that grow.
0: Thank you for indulging that tangent. (laughs) Derek, let me turn it over to you for your perspective.
2: Yeah, thanks, Melissa. Yeah, Phil, as always, fantastic points. I, com- I completely agree with you. In terms of something that jumped out at me, I think you hit you hit on two things that absolutely jumped out at me. The conversation around around anti-fraud brought me back to uh to my internal auditing days, which I <laughs>
1: You know, well, this the, is gonna get this is gonna get very interesting now, Melissa. The internal auditors are public auditors without a sense of humor. So go ahead, Derek. Tell your story, my friend.
2: I know, I know. We're we're treading dangerously on interesting topics with finance and ops in general. We were talking about data analytics previously, and now we're talking about fraud, anti-fraud, and internal audit. I don't know, I think we might have lost the entire audience. <laughs> um but no, I, I I completely agree with you. I, I think you know something that, that from a personnel perspective and all of those metrics, it's really important to make sure you're tracking all of the different lenses in which you can look at your your labor force through. Um, And I I think you touched on it, Bill, already a little bit. Um, You know, when I I looked at FTEs, so we've got 66 FTEs, that's a really important stat. Um, And I'm looking at one of the uh, uh, infographics. um, And the full-time, equivalent stat is really important. It's also really important to measure that alongside total payroll costs, alongside um, employee turnover, and alongside total headcount. Because some, there's some really interesting and funky things that can happen with that set of, of metrics in the employee and the personnel space that can actually be leading indicators for challenges that are coming coming at you. Um, or symptomatic of, of other things that you're seeing. And you know, just one, one, one example would be, you, know, you look at um, the FTE stat, and a recent example with a client, FTEs hadn't really moved um, and payroll um, and related, so salaries and wages and payroll taxes and benefits, you know, hadn't really moved over the last three or four years. Service had been falling off a cliff in terms of um, you know, reported satisfaction from members. And it's those were the metrics that were being tracked and looked at. And when you actually take a step back, you're like, okay, well, let's look at this whole thing holistically. Well, the number of their headcount had almost doubled, um, and what they and their turnover rate had skyrocketed. So it's like, okay, well, here you've got a, a significant problem with turnover, and lo and behold, that's causing significant challenges with um, with member service. And ultimately member satisfaction um, but the club had been focused on full-time equivalents total payroll and benefit costs um, and it had been happening it was over a four-year period um, and there were all sorts of challenges that were bubbling up amongst the team um, and obviously you know the, the COO was taking flack from the board um, about the, the fall off in member um, satisfaction and, and the, the challenges with service um, and it, uh, unfortunately, they didn't have a formal HR um, department in place, um, which is also another interesting um, trend. You know, you start talking about um, statistics and data in the in the personnel field and the, the employee field, and you know something that we're seeing far more of, which I think is fantastic, um, is that professional human resources element at clubs. Um, and it's amazing when you look at the employee turnover stat. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's significant, I mean, it's, it's probably relatively um, understandable from a hospitality perspective because of the number of seasonal workers you have and the like, um, and the size of the food and beverage operations and, and that type of thing. But when you have employee turnover that high, um, if you don't have professional human resources in place to help manage that whole employee cycle, um, it can be really taxing and really challenging, especially if it falls on, on your accounting department. And the like or you know so it's uh it's certainly a trend we're seeing and i think it's going to pick up steam and i think it's a very welcome trend um that kind of professionalization and um, bringing you know hr professionals into the clubs i think is, is really going to be helpful going forward
0: absolutely i think that you've raised a lot of really great points from this um from this segment in particular um but do we want to dive in a little bit further and, and talk about what guidance you might have, again, for our listeners on how they should consider putting this personnel data to use? Derek, I'm going to start with you this time.
2: Yeah, all right. I appreciate it, Kyle. Um, I I guess one of the things would be to take all of the metrics that are laid out here um, and, and make sure you, you create your own dashboard. Um, I think we talked even going back maybe to the um to the intro podcast it's we, we've done quite a few of these so far <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one of we were talking about it but i think going all the way back to the intro podcast creating the, that dashboard level reporting of really important key metrics that help tell a story for all of your key stakeholders um, you know at the management team level for for sure um, and then up to the board level as well i think is really helpful and you know just going back to that example um, i was sharing previously um, And Phil, I'm sure you see uh, all sorts of them as well. Um, But I I would just make sure, want to make sure that everybody on their dashboards have kind of that 360 degree view of of kind of the forces that are impacting their their labor um, and and personnel um,
1: section.
0: Absolutely. Phil, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Uh, reluctantly I agree with my uh, my colleague mr. Johnson yet again Um, but I will tell you I I always like to look at this stuff and this is you know I tell this sort of story repeatedly so for those that are listening and have heard it before I apologize but um, it kind of drives from the point of how you use this data strategically or how you can use it strategically so you know, you go out and you hire GGA partners to help you with a strategic plan. They do a phenomenal job. Derek and, and Henry and Steve and all 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 the guys there, and uh, you know, and you come up with it with this this superb mission statement that has something in there that says we want to be the number one uh, golf experience in in um, RICO County. Let me let me bring it up to Virginia. Um, <laughs> And then you come along as the auditors and you happen to look at their budget for the next year. And what do they do? They cut and slashed golf course maintenance budget. Or they cut and slashed uh, the number of people in the pro shop. Okay. so we're sitting there. I'm sitting there going, boy, Derek, what what a gig you've got. These guys, you know, got you to do the strategic plan and then totally, totally ignored it (laughs) despite your protestations. Um. But in all seriousness, you know, and I'm sure, Derek, you surely, you have to see this a lot too, you know, and and so the reason of kind of telling that story, and, and you know, I pick on golf, but, you know, call it, you pick on food and beverage, whatever you want to be, you know, when you're talking about those service levels, and you've got those grandiose, if you will, strategic or mission, vision, goals, this data can help you actually deliver this, and this data can help, and this is where I think it gets most important, We've talked a lot through this series on accountability. I think when it comes to payroll and person, and I shouldn't, I should stop saying payroll, personnel data. This can help the club operator, the club COO GM. It can help them hold, yes, their employees and their management team, but it, more importantly, it can help hold their committees and their board accountable to the strategic plan that they said, this is what we wanna be and this is where we wanna go, okay? Because again, if you have these aspirations to have you know, certain qualities and service levels, that requires boots on the ground, that requires numbers of servers, the front of house, it needs so, so many people in the back of house, it needs so many people on the golf course, in the pro shop, all those things that are needed to deliver that level of service. And so you can build your budget to that strategic plan um, you know, and, and, and so when you do that first iteration of your budget and you bring it to the finance committee and the finance committee says no you need to cut x out of the food and beverage operation or the golf operation Say, hang on a minute stop um, mr treasurer you need to go talk to the chair of the house committee because the house committee chair told me that this is what the strategic plan said in terms of what we're supposed to be delivering um on food and beverage or golf or whatever it may be and so now you've kind of held the mirror up right to to the people that agreed on the strategic plan that ruled it out to you and now you're saying well this is what it costs to do that this is it's not even what's what it costs this is the number of people i need you know i want to do my best to get them at the at a good price but let's start with body kind on the floor <laughs> Um, you know, this is what this is what this data can be used for. Um and I would, you know, it it's not easy to do that. I I agree that. I agree with that hundred percent. It takes a lot of time, but as I think Derek said, you know, you've got to build a template, and I've certainly got plenty of clubs that have built the template that it goes right down to that level by shift, by day, um, to say that well, this is how we end up. And if you don't do that, then I don't know how you can then really try and achieve some of the numbers we've seen across all of these uh, buckets that are within this report. So, Kyle, I will stop my pontificating at that point and turn it, turn it back to you.
0: Well, thank you. Derek, do you have anything else you want to throw in there?
1: No, <laughs> there's
2: so much to unpack there. Know there. Sorry. <laughs>
1: Uh, this, this is the last one. I got to get it all in. I don't know. <laughs> I predict sequels. I predict they will this is going to be Taken 1, Taken 2, and yeah. Taken 3. Hopefully they're not as bad as Taken 3. I like it. I am trying to figure out where
2: to start. I mean, I know we we've been kind of trending outside of our F&O uh lanes over the last couple of podcasts, but now we're jumping into strategy and governance, and they're all important because they actually all come back around to F&O. So I'm with you. Um I would say one of the one of the neat things I think we've been able to help some of our clients with on the strategy side is to actually make sure that the strategic plan is fully flushed out and complete with a financial plan that accompanies it, as well as, which is a nice financial forecast. And ultimately, that helps provide guidance from a budgetary perspective. And then on the governance side, if you loop in your strategic planning committee or your strategy committee, and that they they ultimately each member has a a responsibility to all of the other committees and to the board as a whole for making sure that all the actions that are taken are driving at the overriding strategy it can really help now to your point is is that the the norm and what takes place out there all the time all the time without a doubt without fail absolutely not but it's certainly a way that we've we've seen work and something that certainly helps people with that significant challenge right um how do you make sure that you're going forward actions and your budgeting and your your staffing levels and everything kind of ties up and aligns nicely with your strategy Um, you just want to make sure you plan for it right from the get-go with the strategy here's the financial plan here's the financial impact and quite frankly the, the neat part about this report is like okay well here are all the key metrics that we as a club are committing to tracking um, here's, our, here's the target range that we have for these metrics because they align with our strategy. So to your point on you know, what's the headcount, what's the, the FTE count, um, what is, how does the service level translate it? And if you set the metrics in the financial plan, and ultimately, hopefully, everybody that has a strategic plan, so every club hopefully and every board, they're coming back around every year and they're evaluating their performance against the strategy, And ultimately that's where these key metrics come into play because they're evaluating their performance against these metrics. Um, Did we achieve what we set out to achieve? How far off were we? Do we need to adjust our targets in any area? Um, And that also also that type of a process can help alleviate some of the pressures that the the club management team might feel from the finance committee and, and the like. know by to make some changes for a specific purpose you know to drive costs down or the like so um all all really good points a great discussion but that's i mean ultimately this fno report I, i think you know coming full circle back to the intro it provides a nice little framework um of kind of key important metrics that can can really help um club managers kind of start to set that you know going forward plan um and help educate their stakeholders bring their stakeholders along and ultimately get by them um so as, back to you Kyle.
0: i think i think that was a very nice conclusion <laughs> to this entire series derrick you, you know you tied it back all nicely up in a little bow really well i mean you really hit on the holistic nature of this uh this survey report and and just how important it is to uh to take all of these areas into consideration when you are thinking strategically about the the direction your club is going. Um, But all of that is to say, we are so grateful to both of you for sharing your expertise with us. I have learned a lot over the last several uh, conversations that we have had. And and admittedly, um, Melissa and I chatted about this, you know, in our intro to this series, that we're not numbers people. This is not our area of interest or, or you know, expertise at all. And hearing both of you share your knowledge um, and your takeaways from this report has been very eye-opening. So I personally appreciate it, but I hope too that our our listeners will appreciate it as well. Um, but thank you both for joining us. Melissa, do you have anything else that you want to add while we're here? Just to say, it's truly been our pleasure and. Uh, we look forward to doing this again. Yes, for sure. You said taken two, okay. taken three, taken four. We have an Irishman. We don't need to call Liam Neeson, so we're
1: good. Yeah, but we, we, could do a, we could do a French language version of this for Derek's uh, colleagues, so I'll just, I'll just leave that hanging out there.
0: <laughs> well, perfect. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us over the last several weeks, and we look forward to catching up with you again soon.
1: Thank you, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care, everyone.